The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at wrestlingwithjonas.com. Welcome to the latest edition of the SWN podcast. I am your host, Billy, as always, and I am joined on this edition. Uh, we are hashtag for the craft with Paul Dawson. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Uh, so you you contacted me to be on the show, which uh, which is nice. It's kind of rare nowadays. I'm doing the chasing for people, uh, which. It's fine. I'm getting great guests because of it, but uh, it's great to speak to someone that uh, wanted to be on initially. Um, but the first question is always the same. We'll get straight into it. Is how did you get into pro wrestling? What got you hooked? That's quite a big question. I think it's, it's wrestling was always something like that attracted me, like a wee guy. When I was like five or six, I was given like a couple of wrestling figures. I didn't know what wrestling was. I had maybe seen it on TV once or twice, and I just. Was quite confused what it was. I gave him a couple of figures, and then from there it continued. I started watching like SmackDown on Sky One on a Saturday morning, and I've seen people like The Undertaker and like The Great Cali and Rey Mysterio and stuff. And it kind of like, oh, these are big characters and stuff. And then when I got to like maybe P5, P6, I kind of fell out of love with wrestling. I guess it happens to everybody. You kind of have a period where they kind of don't know what what they want to do. And wrestling wasn't something I really looked forward to. But then I turned about, I think it was like 14, 15. I think I was just going for online, looking at stuff. And oh, there's wrestling. I used to watch it. I'll get a wee watch. And it was like CM Punk and Daniel Bryan and these great wrestlers and great characters and great talkers. And I always seemed like I'm a massive fan of literature. Like I'm an English lit student, so I always loved storytelling. And I was watching stuff like Daniel Ryan and the Team Hell No stuff. Like, that was a great story, and I love stories. And then from there, I started picking up me small stuff, and I started getting more back into wrestling. And then I was like, you know what? Wrestling would be quite good. Like, I'm into my, my boxing and my MMA. I could try and see if I can find a way to do that. Because I was doing amateur wrestling at the time as well. So I was like, you know, there's probably a way I can find up like, a wrestling school in Scotland. And I had a wee look. And a lot of them like 18 year olds, I mean it'd be 16 because I was about 15 at the time and I was like, fuck. And then I seen one in Barhead and I was like, okay, that's quite close, it's not that far away. And I was like, I'll go and I see what it's like. And I went and my dad was quite reluctant at the time. He's like, I don't know, you're a bit old for that kind of stuff. And I was like, no, no, I'll, I'll get a week tie and I'll get a go. And then I just get hooked. I just loved it because like, and everyone just came flooding back why I loved it. It was like, the grand, the grand stories, the character telling, just and the action as well. I like, I, I won't say this, I'll be afraid to say this. In boxing, I'm quite a counter attacker. I like getting punched in the face and stuff, I like getting hard hits and stuff like that. And wrestling, that's what cool for me. And it's like going in the back and keep fighting. And it's like the underdog story. And it's quite like sloppy and all that, but it's what got me into it. And I love it for it. Uh, I find it, it's. It's kind of the, the irony. That's not the word. I'm not a last more set. But uh, your dad's saying that, that you think you're too old for it. I think 16, 15, 16 is probably when your body's maybe developed enough to withstand doing that sort of thing. Because uh, you're still growing, of course, uh, at that uh, time. Um, I mean, uh, fair fair to anyone who tries to train 
like 14 and, and under, but um, your, your bodies are just going to take a hammer and, and they need to develop. So it's uh, that seems to be the kind of time to, to, to do it. Um, I mean, folk, I mean, folk are in WWE now and they started training in 14, so who am I to judge uh, in that respect? Um, do you remember what your first wrestle figures were then? Okay. Uh, I think it was stuff like maybe like Jeff Hardy, stuff like that. I think, um, oh, who was it now? Um, I think there's a couple of TNA figures now as well. I think it was just, I think it was like one of the and I was just down the bus and just picked up a few ones seen. And so I got like, I think, oh, Sonja Dutt, that's the one I remember. Sonja Dutt was one of them. And I don't know why I remember that so vividly. Like a Sonja Dutt figure when I was like six year old. That is so cool. <laughs> I never saw the TNA figures around right here, but I'm up in the Northeast. But uh, I've, I've always like, I used to love getting back wrestler figures. Jeff Hardy, once again, makes, makes a mention on this podcast. I think, again, everyone seems to be from about, if you started watching from about 2000 onwards, Jeff Hardy is there yeah. in your mind somewhere. Um, so, yeah, uh, obviously, you're making me feel really old because you started watching, and the first names you're saying is the great Kali. Uh, so, that's just made me well, think, oh. He's <laughs> the first one of the wrestlers you remember. Like the great Kelly, it's like fair play to him and all getting the Hall of Fame and that now, but just <laughs> not, it's not a great memory to have. Yeah, I mean, was it? Was it? It was must have been Beast Kelly then. It was when he started. Oh, no, it, was, uh, it was like Kidden and his manager, who I can't remember the name of. Uh, uh, Runjan Singh. Uh, I remember these stupid things, <laughs> uh, but that's why at least it was a dancing Kelly. I think that would have been a. Yeah. I would have been surprised if you kept watching. <laughs> I don't think I was watching, like, see that time when he was dancing and stuff? I think that was, like, my period out. But I have went back and watched, Ken, like, kind of went back and watched stuff like that. And, oh, I feel bad for him. <laughs> uh, Hall of Fame career. Oh, oh. I know. <laughs> can't, can't deny that. Um, yeah, so when it came to that first training session, and again, it's a question I ask a lot of people because everyone's got different answers. Some are, um, some thrive on pain. And if you have got a bit of a boxing background, that fighting back mentality, did you find the bumping quite okay, or, or was there a shock to the system? Bumping was fine for me. Like it's more just trying to get it right. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm a wee bit of a perfectionist. I kind of get to if I get something right, I want to get it done properly. And I was, I kept trying to do it. I kept trying to do it right, and I just kept like going for it. And like it might be like, I wouldn't say it was beneficial for me to like push my body to like limits it knows it shouldn't go but I was trying my best and I remember coming home and like I don't know who said it somebody in the background went oh if you're struggling with bumps just try it on your bed so I remember going home that night and like practicing like back bumps on my bed and my like just people like I feel bad for the people who live above me they must have thought I was going mental just hearing noise for down below because <laughs> it's like just back bumps and back bumps on my bed and it's just oh it's weird but I didn't enjoy it uh, and of course, uh, being at the school that you're at, uh, I've interviewed quite a lot of people from uh, that particular school. Now, um, of course, you start on the mats and then the ring's the privilege bit of it. Uh, did you get to work a bit in the ring before you made your debut? Uh, did you get a bit of a run on yeah. the ropes? Yeah, um, run the ropes was something I, when I first got it, I thought this is going to be really easy. And then it was a shock to the system. Sort of like, even like even like bumping the ring, I feel like it's still different from bumping the mats. I feel like bumping the mats is probably a, a wee bit sore than bumping the mats to the ring. 
So I felt like I was fine with that. But when it came to the ropes, I just I was so I think I was unprepared. I could run them properly. I know the motion of running the ropes, but actually hitting the ropes, that like smack, it was. It, I don't think you're prepared for it if you don't know what's going you're going into. Like I told, I was told it was going to hurt, but I wasn't expecting it to be like that. <laughs> I mean, I suppose uh, as someone who's never bumped, but in my, in my head. With you, if you bump in a ring, there's space underneath, so there's a little bit more of a bounce to it. Yeah. Uh, but whereas if you hit a mat that's on a floor, there's nothing. There's nothing that, that'll budge for it. Um, like I was speaking to Kiger, and he was saying that he couldn't get running the ropes initially. He kept because he's taller, he would keep yeah, sitting well, on the middle rope as he'd go, and he would end up just just bruising his arse because of it. <laughs> it's just. Yeah, I'm exactly say again. This is coming from someone who's never done it, but I, I understand the motion, your five steps turn, yeah, and but like doing it and trying to get a rhythm. Again, I suppose I come from a boxer background. The rhythm's fine. It's just the actual shock of hitting it yeah. that would be the issue. I hit ropes before when I was doing boxing, but that's more of one. That's your own motion taking you back. But see, running against them, like you're forcing your body to go against it. It was like more of a oof. Oh, cool. that's it's a bit of a shock. It's like um, I always managed it as like you ever been like what for a towel? Like I don't. Yeah. This is a, but it was like that, like a wee snappy whip. That's how. I, that's how I like, tried to explain it. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. I'm with you. It's painful, <laughs> but it's like oof. Right. Okay. <laughs> right. Well, well that's. Emotions, but you're like, no, uh, oh yeah, of course. Uh, as well with with the drum. Sorry, your stream keeps me jumping a little bit, so I, I don't mean to interrupt when I'm going. I just think you. I just think you stopped speaking, <laughs> then I'm jumping in. Um, but it will be fine. It Zoom has been an absolute pain in the backside recently. Uh, the recent episode with with Jason Hyde and my internet died ten minutes in, just oh, shut okay. off. So uh, we we got it back thankfully. But yeah, it was. It was I don't know internet a 15-year-old laptop that's doing it or, or what, but uh, hopefully by the time season three rolls around, I'll actually have better equipment. But in the meantime, we'll persevere. Um, so so I'm thinking then you started training 2017. Did I be right in thinking that? Yeah, I think it was like the end of 2016, 2017, yeah. And I've got down here that you made your debut in 2019. So just, just over two years, well, a year and a half, uh, training. Uh, I'm assuming it was a Academy Attack show. Would that be right? Yes, it was. Uh, so what was it like being told you're going to have your first match in, in the ring in front of a crowd? Uh, well, I was... Um, I just got a funny story in my debut. that um, I was told about a year before that I was going to make my debut. And I was still... About, I think I was about... I think I would have been 17, maybe 16 at this point. And um, I spoke to my dad about it and my dad bluntly said no and then I, I spoke to my family and they were like no we don't want you to do it and I was like I was quite confused because I'm more happy for me to do like boxing and training and stuff like that but I think they had more a concern because wrestling is it's a team sport it's not an individual sport whereas boxing you know the risk what you're going to do you're either going to, you're going to punch in the face you might have a wee bruise now and then but wrestling sometimes accidents do happen and I think my dad just had a wee bit of fear in him so he kind of pushed that back. But as I got older, I spoke to him and we kind of came to the agreement that it's my choice if I want to do it, that's perfectly fine. So when it came to my debut, when I was finally told, okay, you're, you can do it, 
I was I was buzzing because I knew I was ready for it. And I was more than happy just to go out there and do the best possible thing I could. Like, and I remember all my friends were absolutely buzzing for me and my family were buzzing for me eventually because they knew this is what I wanted to do. And I was really quite excited because I'm not going to lie, I love being the big bad guy. I think it's fun. It's a good laugh. Just going up to people's faces and try to get them uh, to hate you. Like, I enjoy doing it. It's a good laugh for me. Uh, and you're in a team that I've got on to be uh, like just nasty people in the ring kind of thing. Danny Edwards, uh, if I'm right. No, this is a bit of mass wrestling. Totally wrong. Um, so what was, your debut, what was your debut match? Oh, it was me and a single. It was a singles match. And I went in and I think we were just after the second half. And it was more of a thing like, okay, we just came back for the break. You need to try and go out there and rise them back up, make sure they're all still on their feet. And I came in and obviously when you first come in, you've got the wee, like, wee bit of nerves and stuff coming in. And I was like, I just need to try and be big and boastful and try and get a, a reaction of people. So it's actually a wee bit of funnier is that halfway through, I'm like screaming at the rest, like, oh, it's, that, was a, that was a free count, that was a free count. And I've misspoken, like, that was a two count. And everybody's calling them and like, two, and I was like, ah. I've like, two, sharp, sharp, and I'm like kicking the ropes and stuff like that. And I've like, just had to improvise off the top of my head because I've like, I'm trying my best to, like, and I've just said it out by mistake. And I thought I was trying to, like, I was in my head going, oh, that's quite funny. Just laughing to myself. Because it made me look like, oh, big, stupid, dafty, bad guy. And I, I like, didn't I, was, it wasn't intentional, but people were like, oh, that was quite funny what you did. And I think like, no, that was not intentional whatsoever. <laughs> Do you think if you if you made your debut a year ago and you, the year before and you did that, you would have just been like, ah, oh, no, I've done it wrong. I've, I've, everything's off now. Yeah, I would have crumbled. I would have absolutely crumbled a year before. So I think that year of training kind of solidified me. Like, okay, you know what you're doing. You know what the character is. You know what that's that. A year before, I had no clue what I wanted to be. It took that year to get what I wanted to be. And so you said you're like playing the bad guy, the, the, the big... Uh, daft baddie um do you have like any i mean we'll get on to your writing in a bit but did you, did you do anything like drama or anything that were you quite a confident person in front of people that this was kind of quite easy to come to or uh, was there any trepidation for your first match in that respect well i've just always been kind of a open person i'm quite confident i don't know what it is it's just i'm quite uh in my natural environment i'm quite loud and general. It's not like a bad thing to be loud. I think I'm just more confident. I'm not scared to talk to people. I'm not scared to approach people. Like, and I've always worked in environments where that's like told you need to do that. Like I've been, I've worked in retail and I'm a barista right now. I used to work at Celtic Park where I had to sell to people individually. So I've always been kind of this spokesman kind of person to try and go out. And I've always just kind of enjoyed it. That's what the thing. I think the gift of gab is something I've been blessed with. Um, yeah, that's like, like you're saying, and I'm in a total agreement. Uh, things like story and, and moments, things like that that's that's kind of the selling point for wrestling. The wrestling's almost secondary. So if you do that safely, great. But if you're loud, like yourself, if you're able to uh, emote a story, then you're pretty much golden uh, regarding wrestling. I, I would say. Um, one of the training seminars I, I, I noticed you're a part of because I do I do some research. Uh, you were in with uh, Mark Coffey. 
Yeah. Um, did you get a chance to go in the ring with him, particular, especially, or was it he's just kind of running, running the? Uh, the we the ran, show? we ran a few kind of stuff, and I got to ask him a few questions because Mark Coffey is like, I think he's one of the better tag team wrestlers in the UK right now, and I think his work has always been spectacular. He kind of works this kind of style that I admire, the kind of rough and tumble, but can be both ways. Can be oh, I'm a big stupid daftie, or I can be, oh, I'm the serious guy who's going, to bat, who's going to batter you. And I think that's quite, you know, it's a fine line to walk, and I think he does it quite well. And I'm enjoying his tag team up now with, like, Wolfgang, obviously, in NXT UK. And it's kind of resembling of, like, old-school 80s WWF, when you've got your brain busters and your demolition, you know, and they're all kind of rough and tumble, but they can do both. They, they can make a story easily just for the reactions, but it, does, it doesn't, like, halt how serious you take them, which I think is quite a good... That's what you have to be, even the bad guy. You have to walk that line. I think that's something Mark taught us very well, because he spoke very elegantly about it, how you need to be... You need to take yourself serious so you can be this bad... This big, stupid dafty. Yeah, because, I mean, I suppose if, if, if you're just the stupid guy, then you'll never be... Like, I think... Trying to think of an example, like Santino Marella, might would be yeah. a good example. He he was a joke character, but was treated like a joke character. And in the ring, he was a joke character. So if he won, it was a joke yeah. kind of thing. But if you had a guy like, um, say, like a Mark Coffee, then who, who could do the stupid things during the match, but always had this kind of killer bit as well that would just batter you. Um, it's yeah, it's, it's definitely a fine line uh, depending on, on how you want to be perceived. Uh, so 2019 was pretty big for you, though. So you did your debut. Um, you're in SWA. Um, I don't have a note of the match. I'm assuming it was Battle Zone. It was a Battle Zone. Yeah, it was a Battle Zone. Yeah. Um, so how how was that? A uh, new environment, new company, um, loads of different faces. How's it like going to into that kind of match? That, that was uh, it was mental for me because I was told that I was in holiday. I was in holiday that. Um, I get a message, oh, by the way, you're going to be in this match. And I, this is my first lads holiday, me and my pals. And I'm quite intoxicated at this point. And I just get a message about three in the morning and like Greece. And I'm like, oh, you're going to be in this match. And I'm looking at like, oh, what match is that? And I'm like, oh, it's front of 800 people in Mullerwell. And I'm like, pure shocked. And I'm like, pure loving it. And I'm like, messaging random people going, oh, I'm going to be here on this and that and the third. And then... When I got to it, I was getting, I was quite nervous at first, but I was like, ah. I've always got the thing when you, if you're meeting new people or you're in a new environment, treat it like a familiar environment because they're not going to be much different. So I just treat it like it was a normal training match. Like go out there and do the exact same thing you will do, just impress. And I hopefully I did that. <laughs> but I came out and uh, it was, it was dark. So you couldn't see a lot of people, but it was like you could tell because it was loud. And I was like. This is this is weird because it's full of people in the ring who I respected at the time, and I'm really I'm just really glad I got involved in that. It was a really nice experience. Uh, and then, of course, as I spoiled earlier, you're in a big massive wrestling as well, uh, six man match. I'm assuming you're you're the heels because or you're the bad guys because uh, who you're talking with? Uh, we've got Danny Edwards and and Owen Jacks, who's now. Jimmy Pierce, I think, is going by uh, against Alex Parker, Jack McKenzie, and Darren Vice. So, 
I suppose big box wrestling is not a huge step away from where you started because it's uh, uh, Frank Cross who promotes that one. So he, of course, was is part of that company. Um, but again, this guy you've been training with was quite a straightforward kind of thing because it's people you're familiar with. Yeah, um, I don't know if it says in their notes, but um, the match type was a quite of a weird one. It was like a six-man tag team over the top rope battle royal. That's what it was called. And uh, it was basically that you could only get eliminated by getting thrown over the top rope. So, because we like, were told us like fairly, like just like a week or so before the match, and and like, okay, we'll go for it. This will be fun. This will be an event. We can do this. And it was a fun, it was fun to do because it was like, right, we need to try and get, make it so we can seem like, so we can impress people and so we can get out there and do some nice spots and stuff. But, we can't fall back on pinfalls and near falls and hot tags and stuff like that. We need to try and make sure this is like a realistic thing. So I think we worked it pretty well because we we're at this point in time, it was a mixture of people who had been wrestling on and off, like renting the wrestling, like mostly for maybe a year, two straight on and off shows every weekend. And then a few people who'd only just begun, so like myself. So it was a mix of like experience levels. But I think for the experience levels, the best match possibly could. That yeah, I didn't say that in my notes. That's a fascinating stipulation. Um, I would like to see that kind of match because yeah. uh, it's not something you get nowadays uh, or at all. I don't think I've ever heard of it unless TNA did it at some point. But because yeah. um, they cycle through everything. Um, but yeah, that sounds absolutely fascinating. So hopefully, a big massive wrestling put it out at some point because let's see how sure. that would work. I'm pretty sure that it was going to become like a, not like a staple match type, but I think they were going to run it again. I wasn't sure who was going to win the next one, but I'm pretty sure they are going to run it again. But I think it might have been like Lucha, DS, and that were in the next one. Because I know Big Massive were doing like a storyline with like the Lucha Dolls. And I think they were going to be in it next, but I wasn't sure. But I did, I was looking forward to seeing how different people were trying to do that match because it was interesting. Yeah, I mean, especially if you're putting in the Lucha Dolls who, who are more... Uh, again, with with jumping over the top rope, trying to get that. That's yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. Um, right, so well, well, I said we'll jump back and forth uh, between wrestling and other stuff. But before I do that, again in my research, um, you pointed out that Arn, Arn Anderson uh, was, was one of your favourites yeah. or one of the best for someone who started watching uh, mid two thousands, um, well late late two thousands, I suppose. How did you get? into Aaron, Aaron Anderson or are you big in research checking network and how did you get into him? I was on YouTube just going through like um, I don't know if they still do it but um, there used to be a channel that posted full matches but it wasn't like matches from like a year ago or something it was like matches from like 20 years ago it was like one every day and I just seen it on YouTube and I was like oh that's um, the Brain Busters versus um, I think it was the Heart Foundation and I was like, I was like oh I've never seen that before, I'll get a watch, I know who Bret Hart is. And I watched it and I was like, this is really good. This is really, really good. And then I started getting more tag team wrestling from back then. And then I started watching a lot of singles wrestling from Arn Anderson and WCW around 91 to 94, when he was involved in like, I think it's a stud stable, like Colonel Robert Parker. So he did, and there's a match I really like. It's like, it's not a long match. It's not like an iconic match, but it's a t- I think it, epitomises like, like him versus Mark Merrill. 
I can't remember what show it's on. It's like a WCW show in '94, and he was like a late replacement, and he comes in, and the ma- I love the match. It's like what it's so simple. It's he has a really good story, and Arm does some simple stuff that make him the bad guy. Like there's a point at the start of the match, he doesn't like sneak attack him, doesn't grab his hair, doesn't poke him in the eye. It just goes to the ref here, close fist. He's close, like get up, make him open his fist. So it makes him seem like, oh, he's taking a series, he's following the rules, but he doesn't like a punch for that. That's a serious punch. He's he's scared. So kind of like showing that, that fine line you want to walk across, I think Arn was the best person possible for that. And then, you, of course, he's worked with the horseman. Yeah, so uh, is it, uh, any others that, that kind of... Like Arn Anderson's retirement crop. Sorry? Sorry, I'm sorry again. It, it kind of started out there. Uh, so uh, Aaron Anderson, yeah, he could he could cut a mean promo. I mean, if, if you're if you're talking about the Horsemen and you think your your front men are Flair and uh, uh, I don't know JJ Dillon and they're doing all the talking, and then you've got like, a little bit of a, an ace in the hole behind you with yeah. Aaron who would just just come and just wreck you, <laughs> like 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 you like uh, so he's like the guy in the pub that in, sits in the corner that you, everyone's afraid of. Yeah. I've always said that I've compared him to, you know, Big Innes from Still Game. That's what he is, but he's a Big Innes of wrestling. Like, cause he just, he's like this big guy. He's like, you look at him and go, he, he could do something, but if you're just talking to him, he'll be nice to you. But if you mess with him, he's going to do you in. And I think that's great. And I would say he's probably the most underrated wrestler of all time. So I think back in the day, if you could give him like a singles title for a proper run, he would have done excellent stuff. Even even away from the Horseman, he could have been like the main guy. Obviously, never got an opportunity because there were so many big personalities back then. Uh, and especially with like the story aspect of, of your enjoyment for wrestling, did you find that back then it was a bit more subtle storytelling, things like that, where nowadays there's still a bit of subtlety, but mostly it's it's at the, on the camera, this is the story. Yeah. You're doing the story. Like I like um, long-running storytelling, and I think the Horseman's one of the best stories of all time. Because like, amount of times like they broke up, they got back together. They broke up, they got back together. It's this bro- brotherly love between Rick and Arm, which you couldn't separate. And I thought that's it's just like wee small details like that. And I like I love WCW from like ninety, I think it's ninety-one to like ninety-six, just before the NWO come in, when it got a wee bit more cartoony. I love the kind of old school wrestling variation of that. I think it's great. It's like the same reason why I love like WrestleMania two to WrestleMania seven, because like they are like, just small events, but they're full of wee small great stories. I just love it. Uh, so speaking of stories, uh, the other thing I learned in my research is uh, you. Well, you said you're. you're uh, you're doing lit. Um, you're also an aspiring journalist. You do a little bit of writing for the likes of the local, uh, the independent, uh, and little indie blogs. Uh, so, what got you started? And and what what inspired you to be a journal? Try to be a journalist and write for these places. Um, well, I got an opportunity to do that when I was in fifth year in school. Like my English teacher said, "Hi, Paul. I know you're, you like writing and stuff. Then there's a small opportunity for like a." You get to go to the Sun, you get to go to like a football game and report on it, get to report on the Glasgow games, which were that summer. And I was like, yeah, cool, I'll go do it. So I did it and I fell in love with journalism. I got to speak to some 
great journalist all the time who I've kept in contact with and they still like give me like they still give me pointers and stuff and I mean like and I got to do stuff that I don't thought I'd get to do. I got to ask questions at a press conference at a football game, which was really fun, which I ended up getting told off by because they thought I wasn't they thought I snuck in, which was quite funny. Yeah, I, I asked them, I, think, I don't know who the, the Rangers manager was at the time, but I asked them a question. I was like, um, if you don't win the league this year, do you think you're going to get the sack? And the Rangers like um, media team pulled me aside and went, who do you work for? I was like, I don't work for anybody. And he went, why are you here? I was like, oh, I'm doing an apprenticeship thing. And he went, you don't ask any questions anymore. And I get sent to the back. And I was allowed to be in like the press feed box thing anymore. And I get, and I was like, I get, and then I, like, I just, I told him, like, oh, but I just get kicked out of that. And I went, oh, why? And I just asked a question. <laughs> and they weren't, they weren't expecting us to ask questions. It was just meant to be there so you could get the feel of it. I just took the bottle and asked a question because what are they going to do? Let's be honest. What are they, what are they actually going to do? That's the worst thing they could do was kick me out. So I did that, then I got to go to a few gigs and got to report on them, which was really fun. And then the big one was the Glasgow um, the Glasgow Games, which I got to report on the events. And then I got to be part of the promo material, like the Glasgow uh, Council did a big mass promo thing. I got to be involved in that. Uh, I got to pitch some nice events, like, like local events and that stuff to do. And I was involved in the sale of a concert in George Square. And... I was involved in that setup and reviewing that stuff. And it was a really nice experience that summer. It was really nice and it set me up for that push and it journalism in my sixth year and any my like university degree. So it's said that you're kind of brought into it because your teacher noticed that yeah enjoyed writing is that something that, that was kind of a hobby of yours did you do kind of reviews for things before you went into that kind of stuff or did you just do short stories what was your kind of writing genre it's more, it more short stories because i've always been a bit of a, a storyteller i've always i always like try a story my like i always said oh i'm gonna write a novel one day and then i set my laptop and write first chapter and never go back to it that kind of stuff and i was always whenever we got the chance in school to write a short story I'd be coming up with mental ideas and doing unique stories and going past a word count by a thousand words and having to edit it down and stuff. And I just, I think storytelling, like, it can be, anybody can be a storyteller and I just love that because you could go out and write about anything and everything you wanted, but it's still a story and it's your story and that's the best thing about it. Uh, I remember when I, I, I enjoyed doing that as well, um, writing stories, but uh, I I never got, well, to me ages to get past things in English because I didn't know how to finish a story. My conclusion was always the worst bit. So there was a good streak of, of short stories, creative writing, where my main character would die at the end. Because I'm just like, there's there's an end. Sweet, dead. <laughs> I don't need to think about anything else. Um, eventually, eventually got there. But yeah, it's, it was it was always that ending. That's why when we do this podcast, and again, don't know if you listen to any of them, the ending's always the most awkward bit because I don't know how to finish it. So, so I'm just like hoping for the best that we'll just kind of trail off and then I can end the call. Um, but yeah, so it's very fascinating. And of course that will help with, with again, yes, we're, we're, we're concentrating on these stories, things that being in wrestling, having ideas and, and trying to move the story where you want it to go because you've got this kind of creative uh, drive to it as well. Yeah, it's like a thing like um, 
there was a st- oh, it was like I remember when I just before my debut, they were asking, "Oh, what's your song gonna be?" And I was like, "Ah, fuck, I don't know." It's like um, I might just not come out to music. And I was like, "Like you can't, you can't do that." And I was like, "How?" I was like, "You can't do that. You can't do that now." And I, and I explained like I wanted to do the thing. It's an old school heel tactic from I think it's like Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Jim Cornette used to do it a lot, where he'd have his heel on the main event come out to no music. And it just because it used to be someone who's really hated. Like, I don't know if you've watched Dark Side of the Ring, but they do the New Jack episode. There's a New Jack match they do, and it's him in the main event. And he was that hated. They come to music and immediately screams and people flinging bottles at him and people cursing at him and tell him to go back. And it's horrible stuff they're saying, but you can tell he's the most hated man in that room. And he's, it's the perfect kill story. And I was like, oh, I could do that. I'd be great. But then I get to like, explain to me, nobody knows who you are. This is your debut. You're not going to get in. You're just going to have a no reaction. I was like, oh, that, that makes a lot of sense. So one of my things is I want to eventually be that guy who can come up to no music and he'll get the reaction of, oh, he, that's the bad guy. And I, I think that'd be quite cool. Yeah, so one of those moments where you, you, you skip to the end of the story before you having to actually do the story bit to get there. <laughs> I was like, like I've come up with like so many ideas. Like I love old school wrestling. It's like one of my favorite things is to just watch like not even just American old school wrestling or British old school wrestling. Although I do have a deep appreciation for that, especially people like Fat Finley and William Regal. But it's more like I like watching old school Japanese wrestling, for like old Japan. Is like I love like Bruiser Brody stuff like that, and like Doctor Death Steve Williams when they went over there, and like Stan Hansen because they were treated as the worst people in the world. They were treated as the bad guy. Like one of my favourite stories is the when Vader first went over and they beat Kenta Kabat. Not Kenta Kabat, it was um, oh, um, I can't remember who he beat now, but he won the t- he won the IWGP title in his first in his first match, and people were flinging steel chairs and that um, from outside the ring because the Japanese the guy was a legend. Oh, that's gonna really annoy me what his name is now. Oh, hang on, right. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out while we're doing this. So, uh. Fredo's first match in, um, in Japan. Right, hang on. This is, this is, this will be thrilling for, for people that are, uh, on the audio. I know. Uh, right. So, after winning the final match of an eight man tournament against, uh, Shinya Hashimoto, uh, that can't be right. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it's no, it's uh, oh, Inoki. It's the first, I can't remember his name, let's go around there. I'll see if I can get it up. Inoki, it's Inoki because the same match he knocks, he knocks, a bit, he's, he knocks his uh, eye lippy. That's what the story is. That's why it is. That's why I remember that. Oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, the pro Inoki audience rioted, resulting in NJP, NGPW being banned from the sumo hall uh, for a bit. Yeah, okay, that'll do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, guys like Fader and uh, Brody um, and Hansen, they, they suppose it's it's actually a testament how they're hated so much because th- they don't speak the language. So they're doing all their talking by their actions as well. It's, it's great. Like, um, it's like, I don't know what it is, but I think see people who aren't the most charismatic as well. See when they go to Japan, they can be kind of stoic because they don't have like they don't speak the language, so they have to rely on their actions. I feel like um, it's John Laurinaitis when he went over as Johnny Ace, 
he was never the most like charismatic person in the world. Although he did try to be, he just would ne- just never had that kind of st- that kind of motion for it. But when we went over there, he was beloved because he was this bright blue eyed baby face from America who'd come in and fight the good fight. And he didn't have to speak to say a word. It was all through actions. I think that's amazing how you don't have to be, oh, I'm the big bad guy. Although you, I love doing it, you don't have to do that. You can just do it with actions. That's brilliant. Um, especially weird, that kind of style at the moment. Uh, I mean, especially in the US when there's no crowd. Uh, right. So yeah. it, I don't know how they're doing it. I, I, I think there was a post, it might be down a, uh, behind a paywall, um, telling you what they hear when they're in the ring in the Thunderdome and stuff like that. But um, it's it's such a different beast. I mean, for yourself, you've only wrestled in front of people. I mean, 800 people as well, which is like, a, I, like you say, you couldn't see, but you could like hear and feel yeah. the people. Um, how do you think you'd get fair in front of TV screens and nothing? I hate it because I always like to, I always like uh, working to crowds because you get a reaction off them. So, Say if it's someone like, in a headlock, you look at a you point at one wee guy and go, this, I imagine this is you. Ah, this is me, Daniel Dan. Ah, like just try and get him to hate you. Or, like I remember like, being told, like I think like Luke and Sharp not said this before, but they like point at make one wee guy hate you, make, make one person hate you, and eventually they'll all hate you. And it's it's great because like if you look in somebody's eye and go, this is oh this is sore, and they. The whole story is like, if you can make the guy who brought his way in there, but doesn't really think it's real, you think it's real, you're doing your job right. Like, oh, I know this isn't real, but oh, that looks sore. And like, I think that's what I tried to do. But see, he was in a ring when nobody's there. It's just, he was a bit empty. Yeah, I mean, like, watching it is weird as well, because you're kind of dictated um, what your reaction should be. So you're being told yeah. what to do. It's like, dance, puppets, dance. Yeah, um, I, I don't think I could watch like unless it's you watch certain styles of matches and it works fine. Like I think um, ROH did. I think they've done a couple of good matches which have released, which there's no fans in it. But that's because it's more a technical style. It doesn't rely on a crowd. But I think if you're watching like a, a WWE or a AEW, they need a need sound and it's hard to watch wrestling right now. That's why I've not watched a lot of like major wrestling you know, last year since like, there wasn't any fans because I find it so difficult. Like, even though some of the matches are great, like um, I remember was it um, Roman Reigns versus JSO. I remember picking that match because I was like, that's going to be a good match in general. I watched that and that was the only match I watched for that show. But even though it was, so, it was really good, I still, there was just something about it which I couldn't say that was sensational because the crowd wasn't there. And I feel if that crowd was there for that match, that's incredible. Even though the Thunderdome's there, it's just not the same. Yeah, it, it is an odd thing. I mean, because of lockdown, I've, I've watched every pay-per-view this year, um, just because this is where I work now. I, I work ah. from home. Um, but it is an, an odd experience. Um, and the only, I suppose, the only uh, like good thing out of it is the shows are shorter. That's what I'm kind of dreading, because we're, we're recording, of course, it's the week before WrestleMania. Uh, I don't think my body's trained uh, to be WrestleMania ready. I'm happy being like watching a show, finishing a half two, and going to bed. Um, I don't know if I'm ready for WrestleMania yet. Yeah, because <laughs> I'll have fans at least. <laughs> yeah, 
I think the thing as well, I'm quite dreading it because I'm busy the, the day of the first night of WrestleMania, so I won't be able to watch the, I won't, the day after as well. So I'm going to have to watch, I'm going to try and watch both days on the same day because it's the only day I've got free. So I'm going to try and watch the full thing over and see if I can do it. I'm going to try and space it out. If I can't, I'll probably just pick and choose. But it's going to be difficult because they, they shows in general are too long. I remember it was it not last year's WrestleMania, but the year before. It was like eight hours long. I'm like, that's too long for a wrestling show. It's Wrestling shows should be at least four hours maximum because there's, too, there's just too much. Like, if there's too much wrestling, you'll eventually just die. And I felt really bad. Was it the women's main event with Becky, Ronda and Charlotte? I felt really bad for them because that crowd was just wasn't having that match because they were... <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think... Did I, did I stay up really bad. But yeah, I think the pre-show started at 10 o'clock and it finished at half four or five or something like that. And... I don't think I I know I didn't take the day off. I didn't book the day off afterwards because I was I didn't I would, wasn't planning on staying up for it. And yeah, that was a awful Monday. Yeah. So I wanted to just. I, I, I don't. I didn't stay up. I I, I, I watched. I think I watched the first half. I got watched the first half of the show. I think I finished around. Was it the Triple H match? With Triple H Batista, I stopped after that match and I watched the rest of the day after. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm like, if, if I don't watch it live, I probably will never get around to watching it. So, it's like, right. that's it. Spoilers, are the, I, I don't like spoilers either. Because you, you go on like Twitter, or you go on Facebook, and all you see is, oh, look at this. Spoiled the whole card. Like, You've ruined that for a minute. That, that's. I don't want to know who wins because that's that's kind of important. <laughs> yeah, a wee bit. Um, right. So, what what's your aspirations then with with the writing? Is is it um, do something more national, or is it, are you wanting to get into wrestling writing? What's your kind of your plan with that? Um, I've always said that my wrestling, my writing, I'm going to try and keep them separate as possible because I feel like I'm quite an opinionated person. I don't know if you've got to tell, but um, I'm quite opinionated when it comes to wrestling and like I don't like having like I don't like sharing my views too much about wrestling it's more of a wrestling's my personal thing I'm going to keep it personal that's why I do writing it's about music it's about politics something that's quite everybody has an opinion on it wrestling's quite a niche environment so I know if I say something people don't like I know people are going to go oh bad stigma about him he doesn't do this he doesn't do that so I kind of keep it separate as much as possible and as well, wrestling is like, I like to see, I think, wrestlers, see if you, you wrestle, wrestle because, like, unless you're going to, like, try and keep both of them because doing both of them, sometimes, like, lines might be crossed. And, I like, sometimes I think keeping them separated is a good thing for me personally because I don't think if I'm doing wrestling, writing and wrestling at the same time, I feel like I'd eventually get a bit too much. I'd get a bit too boastful for myself and I think that's quite... I a wrong path to go down, so I don't want to do that. So I try to keep it separate as possible. Yeah, um, yeah. Just as you were speaking about that, that makes sense because it, it's one thing uh, doing a review of a show and just going, "Oh, I didn't like th this way this guy did that," and then you'll come to the next show and they're at that show. And yeah. wrestling is 
I mean, just by the fans is a toxic environment for opinion. Everyone's opinion's wrong. That's pretty much the the long and short of it. Um, so yeah, uh, I mean, I know for myself when I do writing, I, I always got accused of being too positive because I don't like negative stuff. I don't see the point of being dwelling yeah. on that kind of thing. So yeah, writing is is it's a difficult thing if you're trying to balance both, especially if you're doing it yourself as well, because that's just that's just a one way ticket to not being booked places. Because you said their mate yeah. was was a bit rubbish, one day. Definitely, like and it's, it's bad that that's a thing that happens, but it's it happens happens everywhere. I'm pretty sure, like I actually like I know this has happened before. I've given a bad review to a band and then tried to get a, a press pass for, and told no because of what I said. So it's not something. I'll, it's not something negative. This period we're doing. Uh, it's, it's it's thin skin, as it seems to be, um, even from the people that are supposed to be the the biggest, the standard bearers. Everyone, uh, one negative thing could be just like, nah, you're not getting in. I'm not. I'm not going to allow you to have your mind changed. So it's it's a weird environment. Um, so I'm quite happy to stick with doing the podcast now, where I can ask the questions and they could do the answers and then I could just jump in with some sort of weird random story for myself. I don't have to form that many opinions. Um, you're, you've put down, well, your, your Twitter profile has got the hashtag for the craft. Uh, where did that come from? Um, that was um, for me, trying, like this is when I was just starting wrestling. I was trying to do a couple of like, oh, what would my name be? Oh, what's like, you know, like when you see like a t-shirt when like WWE, com or something or like when you're going through i try to design my own t-shirt like oh they've all got a slogan or something i'll try and do something like that and it took like a lot of different sizes for the craft wasn't the first thing i came up with but for the craft is more something i came up with just before my debut and it's more something that i've wanted to do for a while and the idea is basically like the old school i'm doing this because the craft is sick it's dying that kind of old school Wrestling isn't the same anymore. Why is wrestling like this now? Basically, like an old, like an old school, like guy from back years and years ago. Oh, I hate this now. All the young guys doing flips. I hate that. Like, because people we've all seen that before. Like, oh, that wrestling Twitter's moaning about people doing flips. And I was trying to get that in wrestling because I like that kind of stuff. Because it gets it. People people don't like it. People want to see big flashy moves. They want to see people being nice and happy. They don't want to see an old crabbit guy walking about the place. So that's what I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be this guy who's, I'm taking it back to the roots. I'm just going to, this is real to me. This is user of playing wrestling, that kind of stuff. I've always wanted to, like, I think that kind of stuff's intrigued me because I kind of, I, it's like, falls in the same line of, I kind of believe half of it, I kind of don't. I kind of, I, I know wrestling evolves, but I like old school wrestling personally. So it's kind of that kind of idea. It's like, it comes to the heart. Yeah, so a, kind of like a, a throwback. So a bit like the Revival. Would that be kind of... Yeah. Kind of, Because, yeah. like, I think the Revival are great. I love their matches. Like, I think one of my favourite tag team matches of all time is them versus DIY. I don't know what card it is, but it's the one, the two out of three falls match. That's because that's a great match. It's honestly so good. And I, I feel really bad. They were good. Especially in WWE, they had a lot of wasted potential. They could add so much more... But just, I hope they're doing, like, I've not seen a lot of the work. I've seen their match with the Young Bucks. But 
I hope they're doing well for themselves. Um, I can neither confirm nor deny because I don't watch AEW or, or I watch bits and pieces of it, but it's just it's it's not for me. But um, when you go back to that throwback thing, yeah, I mean, I suppose a lot of it nowadays, good or bad, is gift wrestling. Yeah, it's enough to just get you in that that five seconds, uh, and then it goes vital, and everyone wants to see you wrestle. And it turns out that's all you do for five minutes, which is great. But like yourself, I like a story. I like yeah. to know why this is happening. Um, and and the stuff isn't a bad thing. Well, I'm just gonna say this because it's not a bad thing. I think if you've got one move and you do it excellently, and that becomes a gif, that's great. Like I am um, personally. I think I do a, a, an okay spine buster, and if that turned into a gift, I'd be like, "Cool, that's fine. You've seen w- one of my better moves. Cool, that's a tease off for the rest of the stuff. It shouldn't be. This is what I do. It's a tease off for the rest." Yeah, abs- absolutely. Can't, can't agree more with that. Um, so, as far as uh, when the shows return, if they ever do, which is hopefully, I think hope hope is the end of this year, starting next yeah, hope, is kind yeah. of thought. Um, but I think it's going to even be into late 2022 at this rate. Um, I mean, by the time that I get vaccinated, you'll probably still, you'll still be like six months away because you're so much younger than I am. Um, what's your What's your thoughts? What's your plans? Is just to get just to get yourself re- reacquainted with the ring? And uh, just what What's your immediate goals? Well, I'm all, I'm one for always learning, and when I come back, I'm going to at least for an hour, four or five months, I want to go back into training. I think it myself back up to the standards I was beforehand. Or even better, because I feel like, if I, I think it's dangerous people going like a six, seven months without training and then coming straight back in the ring, because your body's not going to be the same. You might be fit, but your body's still not picked. It's still not got everything it used to have every week in and week out. Pardon me. So I want to go back in and pick all my technique back up, make sure it's all sharpened and get the principles of wrestling back to like standard I want it to be at. So it's going to be that. Then hopefully after that, it'll be going back on the shows, trying to get my best as possibly can and trying to get my character out there more because I feel like I'm quite inactive on Twitter on purpose because I feel like if, especially people who have characters on Twitter, they kind of like ruin them. Say, for example, like, um, I don't have a particular example in head, but people can use Twitter for their benefit. Like, I know, um, is it Curtis Chapman, the one that used to wrestle for Red Pro? He's really good at, He's really good on Twitter because his character is the annoying guy. So he's great for that. But if your character is, oh, I'm a big, bad um, monster guy, I've got a big scar on my face, I'm the devil or some crap, and you're on Twitter t- tweeting Cody Rhodes going, Oh mate, that match was class. People are not gonna people like, oh what? What's the point? If you want to do that, like, have a personal account. That's why I've got a personal account and a wrestling account. Because I can say my wrestling opinions on my wrestling account and then do the rest on my personal account. That's why I try my best to separate wrestling from like Paul the wrestler and Paul the person. Um yeah, that's that's a good thought. It's trying to strike that balance because there has been, uh, once lockdown started, of course, there's been people that have, have used it to build their character that are, are actually wrestling. Uh, guys like uh, Emily Hayden being an example who's who's just yeah, phenomenal. Um, and then there's, there's guys that haven't actually debuted yet 
trying to get their character across before. And I don't know. I don't know if it's not short-sighted, but it's a case of we didn't know how long this is going to last. So now they've started doing a character a month into lockdown. We're now a year in, and they're either running out of ideas or they've overexposed their ideas, yeah. and they haven't even wrestled yet. Yeah, it's like as well. I know, like I've seen this before, that trainees who have been training for maybe like six, seven months, messaging promotions, going, "Oh, by the way, here's my CV. I've trained here." That's all. That's and that's all in your CV. It makes you look unprofessional. It because it, it, it makes like it's. I know you're trying to get yourself out there and you're trying to do your best, but I've always been in the standline that if you're wrestling and you're still a trainee now, see until your trainer says, "But well, no, you should be working as much as you possibly can," and starts helping you make your CV. You shouldn't be sending CVs out to that point because. If, unless you've had until you've had your first match properly, and other promotions have started trusting you to work in the ring, you shouldn't be sending out CVs because it's just irresponsible. Because they don't, you've got one match. That one match was probably practiced 15, 20 times before you actually wrestled. It. So it was down to a tee. You don't know what it's going to be like when you show up to the show, and it's this guy from England who you've never met in your life who walks a totally different style from you. And you're just thrown out there for five minutes, and it's terrible, and you end up hurting yourself. That's the kind of idea. I don't like that. That scares me, especially during this now because everybody's so desperate to wrestle again. But we just need to slow it down and realise that wrestling will always be there. We just need to take our time. Absolutely. So, would you say, like, for the first period of you being a wrestler, companies, I'm not saying this should be the example across the board, but companies should come to you before. Yeah for yeah. the first little bit and then once you feel comfortable enough to be going right I could probably put together a five minute match easy with anyone then you can start going right I'm going to put my CV out to this place to that place and um, which you kind of know what's, what you're getting in, in, into more more even this that your your trainer says right I trust you in my ring I think you'd be okay to do other rings and then start sending your CV out more because eventually you do have to start sending your CV out to places that You've never heard of before, but right now, like if it's, you've had one match, that's not you. That's not you. Like I probably won't start sending CVs out until I've had another couple of matches either. I'll probably come back to training, make sure I'm sorted, and then if you feel like I've got my, my mojo back, I'll start sending some more CVs out and start getting properly back in because then I'll trust myself. It's all about self trust as well. You can't be, you can't you can be confident yourself, but you can't be overconfident. Absolutely, and you're a product of a training school. And if you if you hurt someone, or if you uh, overextend and end up hurting and just uh, damaging yourself, or uh, that that's their reputation on the line as well. So I can absolutely understand uh, your your logic and thought process into that as well. Uh, but in the overarching story, uh, overarching. We've talked about story that much. That's all I've got in my head. Uh, overarching uh, goal: Is there any companies in the UK, Scotland, that you want to try to uh, aspire to get to? Uh, once, once you feel comfortable. Everybody's got the same one. Everyone's got the same in the UK. They want to do like in Scotland. It's ICW, Disco, like SWA, the bigger ones who form in big crowds and stuff. That's the ones everybody's trying to. 
then we come to the UK, we've got Progress and Attack and all the small indie ones who are got Buzz and like Red Pro who have got connections to other companies. But I, I've always looked for I'd love to go over to Germany. I'd love to, um, I'll hopefully, once I haven't started, I can go over and do the WXW, do like the eight-week training programme. I'd love to go do that. I think it's a really interesting style with interesting coaches. I'd love to go abroad and do that. I'd love to learn more from different styles of people. Like, I don't know if you know, but um, um, I'd love to see, like, maybe go get a seminar with, like, Doug Williams, who now have, he's back in wrestling. I think he's amazing. He's, like, one of, he's probably the best British wrestler to come out of the UK in the last 20 years. Because he just, he was, he's revolutionised revolutionized wrestling for the UK. He's done stuff that nobody in the UK thought was possible, for being honest. Like, William Regal and Fit Thinley were the start. Then it was him and Drew. And now we've got NXT UK coming back into the fold. So I think that's great. Yeah, I, I don't know why it came to head, but I, when, I, when I speak to people and I kind of get an idea of, of places where I think that would probably be a good fit, and WXW was the one that came to my mind as soon as you started thinking about branching out. I don't, I don't know why. I think they always have kind of this uh, like old school reputation uh, yeah. where you'll you'll get a high flyer match, but generally you'll get like a, a bad bones just just battering folk. So it's just... I miss bad bones. I really do. Bad Ones was good. I loved when even he was like quite popular and it was like wrestling week in and week out around the UK. That was great. I love Bad Bones. He was like such like a no nonsense big bully character. You could literally put him at any promotion in the world. Be it a family show, be it like a indie show, be it like a like even like a hardcore show, and he'd work every style. It was great. Uh, would, would he be like a, a, a dream opponent for you? Have you got any uh, dream opponents that you'd really want to get in the ring with other than, than Doug and uh, maybe oh, Bad Yeah. Um, well, in the UK, there's a few. Like, um, I'd love to wrestle Daz Black. Um, both came from the training, training school and he's an excellent wrestler. He can work from multiple styles. I'd love to, like, we've done training stuff together, but I'd like to work a proper, proper match with him. Then out with like like proper big names, I'd love to wrestle like Mark Coffey, like previously mentioned. Previous mentioned. Uh, I'd love to wrestle Bailey Matthews, um, William Regal's son. I don't know if you've seen his match with Tyler Bate, but it was great. <laughs> uh, Tyler Bate's another one I'd love to wrestle. Uh, Noam Dar, love to wrestle him as well. Um, small um, Austin Brooks from Source, um, and it's because um, we grew up together. Uh, we, he lived in the flat below me when I was from to about eight year old, and it's kind of weird that we, we both didn't talk about wrestling when we were younger, but we both went down this path now. So I think that's really interesting. And we're also from the same school. Same with like um, Jimmy Pierce, we went to the same school. We'd love to wrestle him again. And like Logan Smith as well. Logan Smith, we've had a, we had a one or two training matches, and all these ha- ha- nice. Hard ten match, and I'd love to go back and wrestle him again. Uh, yeah, one of the names that, that just just jumped out at me there was Tyler Bate, who uh, I got to see wrestle. I've seen wrestle live once, uh, and it was in in Aberdeen uh, for WrestleZone. And man, that guy is just—I don't know what it is. He doesn't do anything particularly flashy. He does a couple like does the cool um, bounce off the ropes, rebound, all that kind of things. But he doesn't do anything particularly flashy. But you just believe every move and 
and uh, twist and point and everything. It's just a he's a phenomenal wrestler. Um, I'm hoping once once things open up, he'll be he'll probably be jetting across the the Atlantic very very soon. Um, yeah, I think is it. I think his match with Ola was probably my match for the year last year. That match was sensational. Like then, like Walter was another one. If I had him, people left so hard wrestle. I would love to wrestle Walter, even if I was like coming in just to be a guy. He would, like, he would come in and just squash. I'd love to do that anyway. I think he's so intelligent in the ring, and he's because he's so simple. He's that he style bad guy that this we just don't have anymore. Like I, I don't know why he's like I know he's just came over and he's I think he's wrestling Champa next week. I don't know it's happening still or not, but I'd love to. He's like he's just it's, he's just great. He's, he's he's one of my favorite wrestlers now. I think he might be my favorite wrestler right now because he can just he's so believable. Like his match with Ayla Dragunov was so good, <laughs> like genuinely so good, and I felt bad for both of them because they both looked so. And if you if you look at a match like that and you go, that was a war. I love that. I love wrestling. That's like just a massive war, and you know it's just everything at them because that's the story they're telling. That one can't top of the other, so it does. So nobody's hurt. So see if you're not going to match and like, say for example, Brock Lesnar went in and went for a match against a random guy, like say Xavier Woods, and just in two minutes destroyed him. That only helps Brock Lesnar. But if they go in there and Exeter Woods puts up a fight, it makes him seem like he's he's not lost anything. He's put up a fight against one of the most dangerous people in the world. So that kind of thing. Um, a name that came that came to mind there when you, when you mentioned Walter um, Rampage Brown seems to be a guy right up your street. Then yes, I, I do love Rampage. Rampage. I always like. There's so many people in wrestling. They are so good, and it's so hard to recognise all of them. Like Rampage is so good, and Rampage deserves everything he's done because he's had a tough go at some things, man. Because he's had to fight through a lot of stuff and a lot of struggles coming through, and he's, he's never got that spotlight. But now I'm glad he's getting the spotlight now. He's definitely got that Aaron Anderson, um, like not old man, but like just just a, a tough, scary dude. But I'm sure I, I hear multiple stories of people speaking to him, and he's just like the soundest person on the planet. But he looks yeah. like he would just bar you. <laughs> For, he's, for grizzled. he's grizzled that's how we've tried him because I remember he was one of the first people I met when I, when I was like helping out doing my dues at a show I think this would have been I don't know like um, I think this was in Greenock he wrestled a match I think it was against Drew when Drew was still over here and they two had like a nice pull up like a big basketball brawl and I got to speak to him backstage I just, I just, I just for two seconds but he had time for every everybody like even trainees would go oh how you doing and shake their, they just got them shake their hands and made everybody feel welcome, which was great. Um, so before we round up this, this show today, uh, I've got our two ridiculous questions. Again, I don't know if you listened to any previous episodes. You'll probably know what these are if you, if you have. Um, the first one is, what's your favourite dinosaur? T-Rex, man. Big bad guy, T-Rex. Of course it is. I, I mean, yeah, of course, from our hour-long chat just now, I, I had to be a T-Rex. Um and the other one is what would win in a fight, two sheep or one cow? Depends what kind of, I'd go a cow. I'd go a cow. I'd say cow would bat the sheep. Sheep seem a wee bit timid. They run away for you. A cow just comes storming in. Cow would battle them up. 
you were about to question what kind of cow it was because I've had that already yeah. as well from someone yeah, else. I was, I was going to say, I was going to ask what kind of cow, but I'm just going to go, any type of cow would be a sheep because sheep aren't scary. Cows could be scary. Um, right, so that's that. Usually I try and just put them in randomly throughout the show, but I, I was so I was just enjoying speaking about wrestling that I was I totally forgot about it until the end. Um, but yeah, I've, I've had a fascinating chat. This has been an hour long. So before uh, we go, What's your social media? Uh, for what, what social media do you want people that are listening to a wrestling podcast to know? Uh, it's Paul Dawson underscore uh, PW for Twitter, and that's all I've got right now. I um, warn you now, if you do see me, I will be more active now because I'm looking to hopefully have a bit more character spotlight coming up shortly. I'm not going to promise this anything just yet, but shortly. But that's Twitter, follow the Twitter. I might say some stuff about Ann Anderson. I might go up about how good he is. And I might promote my own spine buster. Just one. Get, get the gif. <laughs> yeah, get, get the gif. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for speaking to me today. No worries.